Today's reading is Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the, the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Great. Thank you so much for reading, Peter. Why don't I pray um, before we dive into the text? Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing and wonderful uh, song from Mary. And as we look at it together, please give all of us ears to hear and hearts that are ready to be humbled by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of my favourite things about the lead up to Christmas is the songs. Whilst most people are cursing the day that Santa Baby comes on the radio, I have to confess I actually get quite excited. I love driving home for Christmas and I have been known to wish it could be Christmas every day. And whilst I do enjoy these classic cheesy Christmas tunes, you still can't beat a proper Christmas carol singing O Little Town of Bethlehem, or Hark the Herald Angels Sing at top volume in a candlelit church is simply the best. And I do feel quite sad that my carol singing this year may well be relegated to the shower. Others might think that that's a good thing. But Christmas carols are no new thing. In fact, the first Christmas carol was written by Mary, the mother of Jesus, even before he was born. And like all the best carols, it gives us a proper perspective on Christmas. Known by many as the Magnificat, the Latin for magnify, it aims to make God bigger and ourselves smaller. And my hope as we look at it together now is that it will lead us like Mary to glorify and rejoice in our God even more this Advent period. Just before our passage begins, Mary receives the shock of her life, not only a visit from the angel Gabriel, but the message that she, an unmarried teenage girl, was about to have a baby. And this was to be no ordinary baby, but the son of God. On hearing this, Mary accepts and submits to the Lord, but inside she's perplexed to say the least. She hurries off to visit her much older cousin, Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant with John the Baptist. As Mary arrives and greets her cousin Elizabeth, little John gives one almighty kick from the womb. 
and filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth cried out, why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Verse 43. It's at this point that the penny drops. Whilst Mary had believed Gabriel, the knowledge that she was really pregnant with the Son of God was only just sinking in and full of joy, she bursts into song. It's not quite your musical theatre jazz hands kind of song. It's more reflective than that, but it's an intensely personal song of wonder and amazement. And it starts with Mary rejoicing and glorifying God. So my first of two points, rejoice in the Lord who saves the humble, verse 46 to 49. Mary is completely blown away that God could have been mindful of a humble servant like her, verse 48. After all, she knows that she's literally a nobody, just a pregnant, unmarried teenager. And what's more, she comes from Nazareth, a nowhere kind of place where nothing good was expected to come from. I'm not even going to try and give a UK equivalent, I'll just cause offence, but it's the type of place that people look down their noses at. And she doesn't even have a penny to her name. We know this from Luke chapter two, when Mary and Joseph were only able to offer up a pigeon at the temple, the pauper's sacrifice. All in all, she was pretty low down society's pecking order with little of value to offer God. Yet incredibly, he chose her for this role and she's awestruck. But she's not just rejoicing that God has chosen her to carry the son of God, huge though that was, and generations would call her blessed because of it. She's rejoicing because God is her saviour, verse 47, and not just any old saviour, but hers. It's worth saying that while some have claimed over the years that Mary was sinless, there is no evidence to back this up. Like you and me, Mary was an ordinary person tainted by the universal problem of sin. Most likely she would have grumbled at Joseph or lost patience with Jesus and his brothers. But even more serious, she, just like you and me, would have failed to love God fully with all her heart, mind and strength. She knew that she had no right to stand in the presence of a holy God and was waiting for a savior, someone who could restore her relationship with God fully and finally. And here she is, carrying the saviour of the world, who is coming to earth for exactly that purpose. Realising this, everything within her, her soul, her spirit, pours out praise to God, verse 47. Lord, it is incredible that you, the creator of the universe, are bothered about me, little Mary. It really is unbelievable, amazing, in fact, that I'm part of your plan. Why me? I don't deserve it. I'm utterly unworthy. I'm totally lost for words, God, speechless in fact. I can hardly get my breath. You're utterly amazing, God. Right from deep within, from her inmost being, Mary pours out her soul to God and glorifies him for what he has done for her. And if Mary was in awe of God, her savior, shouldn't we be too? Like Mary, we don't deserve his kindness and salvation either. And yet he came to earth to be our saviour too. I think that's pretty awesome, don't you? So as we approach Christmas this year, it's worth pausing a moment to think, how are we going to respond to God? 
It's very easy to wallow and feel a bit fed up at the moment, isn't it? I mean, what is there to celebrate or rejoice in with all the normal festivities, fun and family time on hold? But whilst coronavirus can put a dampener on the festivities, it can't dampen this amazing truth about Christmas. As Mary's song reminds us, we can still rejoice in the God who never changes, the one who has done amazing things for us. So this Advent period, will you take the time to lift your eyes and to shift your focus, to make God bigger and yourself and even your frustration and hardships a little smaller, to be gripped like Mary, either for the first time or afresh by the one who incredibly is mindful of you. But Mary's song is so much bigger than a song about what Mary has done for her or what God has done for her. It's a song about what God has been doing consistently throughout history and will continue to do so. How he has always been at work to save the humble and humble the proud. How he has always shown mercy in surprising ways, not to the rulers, the ones esteemed by the world, but to those who are hungry and fear God. So my second point, fear the Lord who humbles the proud, verse 50 to 56. Over the past century, a number of writers have called Mary's song a revolutionary anthem, and it was even banned from being read publicly in Guatemala, Argentina and India for fear that it could trigger a revolution. And as we read on, it's easy to see why. In verses 51 to 53, Mary declares, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with nothing. These verses certainly appear to turn the normal expectation of our world on its head to reverse the normal order of things. And as people with influential roles in this country, we certainly shouldn't be feeling too complacent or comfortable right now. And yet, it's not a song about a people's revolution. It's not a call to arms. It is a song about a revolutionary God, a God who is concerned about justice, who will always act to punish and scatter the proud. Some of you will remember the story of the Tower of Babel near the start of the Bible, when some bright sparks got together thinking that they could build a tower to reach up to God. And yet their efforts were quickly brought down to size as God had to go down to look as their tower was so small. And how does he respond? He scatters them. Or you may remember King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, a very proud king who failed to acknowledge God for who he was, while God brought him down from his throne, made him go mad and live like an animal. Or perhaps you remember Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, who would not let God's people go. Well, how did the story end? Their riches were plundered as the rich were left empty. And Mary's song was not just about the past. It was also prophetic. It looked forward. It was a song about what her baby would achieve. Jesus too came to humble the proud. And we see this time and time again with the religious leaders, King Herod, the rich young ruler, all scattered, 
dethroned and sent away empty because they were more consumed by themselves, their power and influence, their personal bank balance, rather than worshipping the God who came into the world to save. And Mary's song is a warning to us too, that God will judge those of us who in our inmost thoughts are proud. As one commentator wrote, we may be proud in thinking too much of our achievements, which is pride fed by our success, or we may actually be proud in thinking too little of ourselves and wallowing in our failures, which is actually just pride disappointed. Often we swing between both of these, but however pride shows itself, we need to watch out for Mary's son will scatter us. There is truth in the proverb, pride comes before a fall. Whether we're proud people who like to sit on thrones or perhaps even red or green benches or rich people who don't care adequately enough for the poor, we're being called to repent and to recognize it's not all about us, that we are utterly dependent on God and desperately need a savior. But whilst there's a definite warning here, there's also hope. His mercy extends to those who fear him, verse 50. And fear here doesn't mean being scared. It means having a right reverence and awe of God. It means recognizing God for who he is and us for who we really are. It means acknowledging that God shouldn't be mindful of us, but wonderfully he is. And the reason that that's possible is because Jesus Christ, the ruler of the universe, came down from his heavenly throne and was born into poverty as a baby. He was rich in every way, but emptied himself for us. He was the ultimate somebody, but made himself a complete nobody, suffering rejection, humiliation, and even a criminal's death on a cross. And why? For us, so that we wouldn't have to face the rejection of God. So as we enjoy singing Christmas carols over the next month, even if just in the shower, let's join with Mary in rejoicing in God our Saviour. Let's allow our soul and spirit to magnify him, to sing with gusto, to make more of God and less of ourselves. But let's not forget the seriousness of the fact that God will bring down the proud. And this is a challenge to all of us. If you've been a believer for a while, why not use this Advent period to examine whether there are areas in your life where pride or self-reliance have set in? Remember, just like Mary, we are all undeserving nobodies, and yet Jesus Christ in his mercy and kindness reached down to us. And if you've never accepted your need for a saviour, could Christmas 2020 be the year of change? With the whole world turned on its head by COVID-19, could it be the time to turn to the one who truly turned the world on its head over 2000 years ago by entering the world via a virgin's birth? Can I urge you to heed the warning of Mary's song today, but also the amazing and wonderful hope that Jesus, Mary's son, shows mercy to all who fear him and wonderfully was born that first Christmas to bring salvation to all who trust in him. Why don't we turn to pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the God who both saves the lowly and yet humbles the proud. 
And Lord, we pray that all of us here would be those that fear the Lord and rejoice in your incredible mercy and salvation. Just like Mary, please give us a right reverence and awe of you this Advent period. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.